Welcome to Yoga Talk, the Yoga International podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kat Hegberg. I'm the editor of Yoga International. And I'm Kyle Rebar, the editor of this podcast. And today we have another special edition podcast um, during this this very unique time that we're all living in, where we're all um, in various, um, I think I can say pretty much all of us, are in various levels of lockdown or quarantine or being in our homes much more often than usual. And we've been using this time to check in with some of our favorite teachers and thought leaders and um, people that really inspire us so that um, we can maybe, Kyle, selfishly get a little of that inspiration of our own and then more importantly share it with all of you. So who is with us here today? So my name is Michelle Cassandra Johnson. I am in Winston-Salem, North Carolina and I'm a yoga teacher, um, an author, dismantling racism trainer and an intuitive healer and activist. And um, I wrote a book that's called Skill in Action, Radicalizing Your Yoga Practice to Create a Just World. So most of my work prior to COVID-19 was to travel all over the country and teach workshops in different spaces focused on the intersection of yoga and justice. And now I'm doing a lot of that online and I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So you might already be familiar with Michelle's classes and practices and trainings on Yoga International as well as elsewhere um, and her book too. I know we have a lot of meditations on our site, audio meditations, and I can say that yours, Michelle, are some of my personal favorites. They're always the ones that I go to because they always inspire me. I leave feeling better and um, not just only better about myself and my own state of being, but I feel empowered to really go out and, you know, share that with other people and do what I can to promote justice and healing. So um, thank you for that. And I highly recommend them. Before we delve into our conversation, listeners, I also wanted to let you know that in addition to our special guest, Michelle, we have two other special guests that might pop in, uh, Michelle's dog, Jasper, and our cat, Count Catula. Um, so if you hear any barking or meowing from either of our ends, um, Michelle, where she is, and us, where we are, we are separate, so you know we're not recording this in the same room. Um, we're adhering to social distancing, but you know, you might hear a little bark or a meow, so that's a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> so Michelle, um, can you tell us how have you been holding up? What have you been doing for your own self-care, and what have you found helpful during this time? I actually feel really grounded at most of the time. Sometimes I feel grumpy, and I think that's because of not being able to physically connect with people. Um, I'm doing a lot of that on the computer, but really I feel grounded and I mean, I have a great deal of privilege. I'm in a home. I have a place to shelter in place, right? And I'm, I have a computer to do work. And um, most of my work does translate to online pretty easily. And so I'm grateful for a lot of things. And that's actually one of my self-care practices. I write 10 gratitude statements every day. And I have an altar. Um, and I sit in front of it and meditate and journal and pull some cards and then write the gratitude statements and pray as well and talk to my ancestors and do all sorts of things to stay grounded and rooted at this time because I think that's part of what is being called for. The hardest thing has been that I can't see my mom. She's in Virginia and um, she was quite ill before COVID um, really ramped up and she lives in a retirement community. And so we talk on the phone every day, which is certainly part of my self-care. And I really want to see her face. Like I want to go visit her and I can't visit her. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about 
how I'm doing and what I've been doing to stay grounded. I've been getting outside too a lot um, in my neighborhood, walking Jasper and um, waving at people that I have never met before because more people are are out now, given that they're sheltering in place. So yeah, that's a little bit about how I'm doing. Those sound like really helpful practices. We've been doing a lot of walking around our neighborhood too. And um, I have just been thinking about, especially this week, how um, I was, you know, feeling really sad that my usual places where I would like to walk or run or spend time in nature were not available to me right now. Talking to some people who are in New York, where there's much less space than here in LA, I realized that their experience was so much different from my own because we can still, you know, walk in our neighborhood and people are still able to maintain that six foot distance. And we can, you know, everybody's been very polite. Everybody's been just like smiling, walking off to the side, keeping the distance. And I always think it's because we're just like so desperate for any human connection. It's like, hey, neighbor, six feet away from me. Hello. Um, But like my sister in Michigan, I was talking to and some friends in New York City were saying that they can't even really get outside right now because that's not possible. And wow, we're just all, you know, it makes me first of all grateful that we can, but also just everyone's experience is so different and so important to, you know, go to those self-care practices that we have available to us. Mm -hmm. Do you have anyone that you're working with who's maybe in a situation where they're not necessarily able to get out as much as you and I might be in any practices for them that you've recommended that could be helpful or just in general to any listeners out there who might be feeling that way? I have some um, friends who live in New York. So similar to what you just named about the dynamic of not being able to go outside. Um, Like I can go outside pretty easily. Um, And I I think some self-care practices that might be helpful are really about, um, grounding and resting because this is such a like um, dysregulating time for folks. And I've never experienced anything like this. And so, you know, if it's meditation, if it's moving a little bit, if it's just bringing your awareness to your breath, right? I think those are things that can bring us back into the body and help us ground. Um, I mentioned journaling earlier, that can be helpful for people. And I also feel like just allowing whatever emotions arise to move through because many of us have never faced anything like this. And so I'll go from like feeling joyful about something, right. Then feeling guilty because I feel joyful about it, you know, and then feeling grumpy and trying not to beat myself up. And that can happen like in a span of 10 minutes. And so I think being gentle, people can practice being gentle with themselves and um, allowing the emotions to arise because we don't, we don't necessarily know how to respond to this because it's new in so many ways. So many parts of it are new and just being kind to ourselves. I think being kind and what you mentioned before about gratitude being a self-care practice, I think that's so huge. Um, You know, I'm a hobbyist musician and I'm friends with a lot of musicians. So one of my big self-care practice in the before times would be going out to shows and seeing my friends play. And um, it's clearly not something I can do now. So what I've been doing instead is whenever anyone posts something on social media, like, hey, I made this thing, or here's this like live video of a thing I'm working on, I always make sure that I comment something nice, positive. And it's important that you're making stuff and putting it out, especially now. And that like, 
I think it's especially important for me to say something to someone else when they are doing something like that now. To me, at least, that feels like very uplifting and helping fellow, you know, creatives just keep a positive mindset. That's a, a practice I was talking about with um, one of our friends at Yoga International actually yesterday as we were talking about um, when we start to feel, you know, big emotions around this whole thing, what or just a day just feels particularly like a rough one, like what are some helpful practices? And one thing that we kind of came up with is, well, we're all spending a lot of time on social media and online now. So what if we resolved like to, you know, you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, and you just think of three genuine like uplifting things that you can say to someone like a positive comment on their post in some way like three ways to make somebody else feel better and we both found that and kind of like you were saying Kyle that when you you know do something that makes someone else feel better you feel better and it's affirming I mean part of what you're naming I think having to practice and I'm glad we are practicing social distancing and that's also a privilege I'm not a grocery store worker I'm not you know I'm not an essential worker in that way but I think it's it can feel so lonely and so just that connection of like I see you I appreciate what you're doing right or whatever whatever you're you're putting on social media or making sure you you respond to I think that's so important because intimacy is different at this time for many people um, who can't actually physically connect with others. Michelle, what would you say are some ways that we can like work to make the situation better for other people or for others that aren't as privileged as, you know, like the situation that I'm living in right now, I often use the phrase, oh, I'm sitting on top of a mountain of privilege. And how, like, how can I use that to help people like now? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, part of what you're naming is understanding your, what I call, and folks who work with me call social location. So your identities and where you're placed based on your identities and the privileges that are afforded to you and, and, you know, identities that you may embody that experience oppression. Social location is about holding all of, of who you are. And so that's a practice, right, to be aware of that in different contexts. So if I go to the grocery store, which I went yet to yesterday, the person who was the cashier seemed really frustrated, impatient, almost like was throwing my groceries down the conveyor thing. And I started to, to like say something. And then I, I just like smiled at her and asked her how she was because I was like, I don't know what it's like to be here all day exposed to people. And in that moment, I was just aware of my location of like, I'm coming to buy groceries. I'm not working in the grocery store, right? Those are two very different things. Um, so I think that's the practice of social location. And, you know, there are, which you all are probably aware of, mutual aid groups. And mutual aid was around way before COVID-19. But groups of people in the community that um, may be at less risk who can respond to community needs. Um, so if somebody needs groceries, if they need a prescription picked up, um, if they actually need to go somewhere, right, and navigating how to make that happen, or if they need to contact their family members and they can't. So, I mean, mutual aid does a lot of other things, but those are a few things that I'm just naming that I feel like are tangible things we can engage in depending on our level of, vul level of vulnerability as far as how exposure to this virus might affect us. Um, and I, I also think there's there's always something to do in response to whatever's happening in the culture. Um, and and part of feeling like I can't do anything is likely from the overwhelm of what it means to be alive at this time, right? And exposed to just the gravity of 
what's happening, you know, the amount of people that have died from COVID and the amount of people that are sick and who's dying, like the data around that. So even the practice of like, yes, I have agency in this moment. I can do something. Who can I talk to to um, figure out what my next step might be? I think that's a practice too. And these don't seem like big sort of profound um, acts, but I think they can lead to things that really affect people in positive ways. That kind of leads so nicely into what I wanted to ask you about next. Um, so much of your work is centered around, you know, social activism. And during this time, what, like, how can we practice social activism? Like, we all have, you know, I think that things that we feel particularly passionate about. It's not like those things go away. We still, there's still oppression in the world. There's still um, environmental disasters that are happening. There's still, you know, wildfires. All of these things are still happening, but we're just not hearing about it as much because everything is dominated by COVID-19, understandably. Um, But what can those of us who, you know, really want to continue to make a difference and continue to keep things moving forward do when we might feel like we're so isolated or like we don't have those same communities and resources available? Do you have any suggestions? Yeah, I um, have been aware of the way some folks are talking about this moment. And I said it earlier, you know, I've never experienced anything like this and there are some things that feel very unfamiliar to me and there are things that feel very familiar to me based on my identities. And and I'm just trying to like hold that tension that creates for me internally and the dissonance around like many, much of this is not new. The virus is new, right? The impact of the virus though is not necessarily new because it's playing out like most inequities have played out in this country. I live in the U S so I like to contextualize that because I haven't lived other places. Um, and I'm not aware of it personally how COVID is affecting other spaces beyond what I read and see. And I think one thing activists and people who want to be involved in activist activism can think about is not only their social location, but what patterns are playing out now that have been present and, and how do we respond to the patterns, not just the virus, but like how do we respond to, to be real, like the data around who's dying from this and who is most at risk which are people of color and black people. Um, And so how do we sit with that awareness based on our location? How do we respond? And sometimes that means resources, not always material resources. It can be information, it can be time, it can be raising awareness about the data for people who who are feeling overwhelmed by it or don't wanna believe it. It's pretty clear, it's like evident. Um, So again, that's not necessarily an, it may not feel like an action to people, but awareness is what actually drives us most of the time to take action in some way. Like awareness can help us shift our behavior. We know this from the practice of yoga, right? What we become aware of as we practice over and over will shift and transform who we are and how we show up in the world. So most of what I offer um, is related to that. Like how can we raise consciousness about the things that are not new in this moment? And then respond to the things that have always been and create some new way of being, which obviously I've been calling for for a while. And many people have been calling for different ways of being, right? And new ways of being. And I I feel like we're at a moment where we we can decide to create a new way of being or we can, some folks can go back to the way things were, even though culturally, like we're never going to go back to that because of the impact of this virus. That's so helpful. Thank you. 
So I wanted to talk a little bit more specifically about you and your work and what you might have going on and coming up. And I know for a lot of us, things are so up in the air. Like there's some yoga festivals that we're going to be presenting at. And then it's just like, oh, no, never mind. And, you know, I had um, my friend Diane, who I, I recently, we, you know, everybody in this podcast knows Diane, Diane Bondi. We wrote a book together and we just finished it and she was going to come out here to celebrate and we were going to hang out in Santa Monica and take a bunch of promotional photos and then it's like, nope, not happening. Um, so that said, I know everything's a little bit up in the air, but I would love to know more about any projects that you have in the works or anything that you're currently really excited about or just want to promote and bring awareness to. Yeah. Thanks for asking. So most of my workshops are on my website and many of them are moving to online. i you know, was booked through late 2021, I feel like, and then everything sort of shifted, right? And so some people have been um, willing to move things online and other folks, I'm just rescheduling events. So most of those are like three-hour online skill and action workshops, or I'm also teaching classes, asana classes, movement classes online as well that are about 45 minutes to an hour. So I'm doing that a couple times a week. And I also lead race equity trainings, and and that work has continued and moved online. So people can stay updated about the work that I um, have coming up through my website. And there are, I mean, so many different kinds of workshops happening there. And there's one actually at the end of May. I was supposed to go to Colorado um, and lead three different workshops. And so there's one that I think it's May 28th. Um, that's going to be a workshop for Black, Indigenous, and people of color. It's called Radical Self Care. And so I'm offering that online. Um, and then there's some workshops for Yoga Studio there online that I'll offer that weekend. And I'm excited about that. Um, and the other thing that I'm really excited about is I am writing a book about grief um, and about collective grief. And it really stemmed from, I um, was supposed to lead a retreat called Healing and Community. And I'm doing it online now with this group of, of trainers um, and facilitators. And it was really going to be focused on collective liberation and, and collective grief and what it means to come together to actually respond to what's breaking our, our hearts. And so that is happening in June online now, but I'm writing this book and I'm, I'm excited that I have time to be at home and to write this book because the manuscript is due in the middle of August, August 15th. And the other things that have come from that are a, a interview conversation series. I interviewed 22 people about collective grief and liberation for a free online summit that came out in January. It ended in March, March 14th, right as COVID was doing what it is has done, right, and continues to do. And so in response to COVID, I, I created another conversation series um, that's called Healing and Community Grief and COVID-19. I think the first interview dropped a week and a half ago, and it's free, and it's a YouTube playlist, and I just upload interviews on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays, and so people can access that as well as a resource. Um, and I interviewed a lot of different people about their experience of COVID-19. So like yoga teachers and therapists and a speech pathologist who's a good friend of mine. And so I'm excited about that as well. That's awesome. And people can find that on your website? Yeah, there's a link on my website to both of the conversation interview healing community series. So yeah. Oh, very cool. That's wonderful. Um, you mentioned that you've been teaching some 
uh, yoga asana classes online as well. Um, what has that been like? Have you had any, did you do that before the pandemic at all? Or is this kind of like a new thing for you? And have you had any insights or anything that might be helpful to, um, I know we have a lot of Yoga International members and podcast listeners who are kind of dipping their toes into that for the first time. Any advice for them? Yeah, I actually did not have much experience teaching movement classes online. You know, I would teach a race equity training online, but not a, a an asana yoga class. And so I'm teaching through this platform that contacted me before COVID-19 happened. And when it happened, I was like, I want to connect with people. I still need to be able to connect and decided to teach some online classes. And so it's been because I was familiar with Zoom and that's the, what we use, it was easy for me. The technology was easy because I'd used it before. And I know for many people, it's not, you know, like my mother would never, she doesn't know how to log onto Zoom. She has a flip phone for her cell phone, right? Like there are people who are really left out of, of this as well. And I'm aware of them thinking about them all the time. And what's been really nice about teaching online is that people who have wanted to connect with me before can connect with me pretty easily if they have access to a phone or computer and have Zoom um, or some way of connecting. And it's cool to have people in my classes from all over the country. Yeah. And I led a skill in action home retreat in, well, it's still April, earlier this month. And I'm leading one in May and one in June. And I had a woman from the Netherlands who participated in that. Like, I'm not going to the Netherlands. You know, it's like she, we would have never sort of connected in person or like live through Zoom unless you know, I was offering these things online. So it's been nice to think about new ways of just innovating and, and being creative with work. Meditation is like a huge part of yoga. Some people are meditators, some people are not. What is the value of meditation and why might right now be a good time to perhaps start dabbling with meditation? Well, um, sometimes people think that meditation is sitting quietly and not having any thoughts at all and um, having a specific hand mudra position and breathing deeply and reaching enlightenment. And that has actually never really been my experience of meditation. So I just want to like normalize that meditation can be moving. You can move and meditate. You can sit and meditate. You could be on your back and meditate. So there are different ways to meditate. And I think it's really important now because there's so much, as I mentioned earlier, like dysregulation and overwhelm for people because we are facing something we haven't before, faced before, faced together before. And I feel like taking a moment to settle and ground and check in is part of what meditation can support people in doing. So then they can, they can regulate their nervous system and also perhaps figure out how they might want to respond to what is happening, right? All the things that are dysregulating us. So I think that's the value. And I, it speaks to what I said earlier about creating a new way of being and that awareness and consciousness, like that comes through a practice of meditation too. How am I showing up? Who am I? How do I want to show up in the world or in this moment or in this relationship or interaction, right? Or for myself, I think meditation can be a place where we get quiet enough and the questions, the ones I just named can arise and then we can respond to those questions, um, and I would say for people who are beginning a meditation practice, I started with like two minutes for a week and then I did five minutes for a week, you know, and then it was longer and I love to sit now for, um, long amounts of time and just be quiet because I like the, the quiet and the stillness. Um, so I just want people to know that it, it, you don't have to sit for 30 minutes, right? You can 
take one minute to say, how am I feeling and take a deep breath. And that can be your meditation. So you have meditation and then you have some things that are meditative, perhaps like um, maybe dance or exercise or playing an instrument. What is the difference between doing a meditation and doing something that is meditative? That's a really interesting question. For me, I make pottery. Um, and so pot making pottery feels meditative to me. But I'm still aware of like my hands are on the clay. And if I move this way, the clay is going to fly off of the wheel, right? Like there's some attention that I'm, I'm having to like some part of my brain I'm having to engage to focus enough to be connected with whatever I'm creating with clay. And it's meditative because of course the wheel is turning and I'm creating this thing and it's, I can feel it too, right? It's tangible, which a lot of my work doesn't feel tangible. And that feels very different than me sitting for a moment and checking in with how I feel, like dropping into that space. So that's how I'll answer that question. But anything could be meditative if we approach it that way. I don't like washing dishes, but it could be meditative for me to do that, right? Right there with you. <laughs> you know, it's like, or walking Jasper outside could be meditative for me if I'm in this space where I'm really paying attention to how does this feel and how do my feet feel when they touch the earth and, oh, look at Jasper, what is he doing? You know, like that can be meditative too. So I just think, but I have to pay attention, like, so he's not in the road, right? There's some focus, I think, when things are meditative versus like, I'm not, I'm going inward, like I'm withdrawing in some ways from the external for a moment to check in with myself when I'm meditating. And so that then I can figure out how I want to be when I go back out, right? And connect. Is a meditative activity ever a replacement for doing meditation? Or like, what is the, the proper balance of meditative activities versus meditating? I'm no expert on meditation. So I want to say that. And I, and I also want to say that if practicing something that is meditative allows people to ground and um, to notice their relationship to whatever they're doing, um, that feels valuable to me. And so if that's the practice versus sitting do that practice, right? Do what works for you is what I want to say to people. Moving meditation, which can be meditative, uh, may work for people so much better than sitting meditation or lying down meditation or standing up meditation, right? Or sitting in a chair. And so I just, I feel like the practice is important. And so if people need to move or do something that's meditative to find some sort of like, it's going to sound strange, but stillness or some connection or, or to deepen their relationship with themselves, do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's an important reminder too. Like I know sometimes in the yoga world, we're like, oh, if everybody just meditated, the world would be a better place. Well, actually a lot of people are kind of assholes and they also meditate. <laughs> like, and no, and there are plenty of good people who don't meditate. Like no one is, there's no rule, even no yoga rule that says that you have to meditate. It's like, I love what you said that if something is a useful practice for you, do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we um, conclude the podcast, um, I know uh, Michelle has kindly offered to gift us all with a meditation that we can use to practice with during this time. Um, so a special little treat for you at the end of this podcast today. Thank you so much for inviting me to offer um, a practice. And so I'm going to invite people to find a comfortable way to be. And you might want to sit, you may want to stand or sit in a chair, move on to your back or side. Just see if you can find a comfortable way to be in your body. And if possible, make sure you are well supported. 
So sometimes when I sit, I place a pillow underneath me or I have props around me. Or if I'm in a chair, I want to have a really comfortable chair. Make sure you're well supported. And you can close your eyes, soften your gaze, or find a grounding focal point in your space. And now turn your attention to your breath and begin to feel your inhales and exhales. And take a moment to notice the breath flowing through your body. And notice the shape change in your body as you breathe in and breathe out. And by bringing your awareness to your breath, you might notice that the breath begins to deepen and lengthen. So you can offer a longer breath in, longer breath out. And as you breathe, I invite you to notice the physical sensations that are present. And notice any emotions moving through. And if your mind is turning as the mind does, you can note there is mind stuff. And then come back into the body by way of the breath. A deep inhale and deep exhale. And now as you breathe, I invite you to take a moment to notice how your spirit feels. How does your spirit feel at this time? whatever spirit means to you. And if you would like, you can bring your right hand to your heart and place your left hand over your right, just taking a moment to connect with your heart space. And begin to notice what is present in your heart space. What might you be holding in your heart? And how does it feel to connect with your heart? And 
And as you take a moment to bring your awareness to your heart and to breathe deeply into your body, I invite you to think about something you are grateful for. We were talking about gratitude. Perhaps you can bring something into your awareness you are grateful for at this time. And it might be the breath. It might be this moment. Maybe you're grateful you're alive at this time. Maybe you're grateful a friend reached out to you to check in. Maybe you're grateful for your space, your home, or the place you're in right now. Take a moment to bring something into your awareness you feel grateful for just moving into this practice of gratitude, even amidst all of the chaos and trauma and anxiety, can you find gratitude? And take five deep breaths. And then after your fifth exhale, and there's no rush, you might choose to stay as you are, or maybe you want to blink open your eyes and just take a moment to reorient to your space. You might notice any colors, shapes, furry beings that are in this space with you or the weather outside, just reorienting to your space. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michelle, and we'll leave you here in this post-meditation state, listeners. Um, know that you can find us on all of the places at Yoga International. Email us at yogatalk at yogainternational.com. And Michelle, where can they find you one more time online? My website is michellecjohnson.com. So that's the best way to connect. And then I'm on Instagram and the handle is at skill in action. So that's a good way to stay updated too and to connect. Wonderful. Thank you.